step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. The following reflects neither the policies nor the thoughts of iHeartMedia or its employees. But we think it's probably a good idea to listen to it anyway. Money Sense is a presentation of Kirsten Wealth Management Group. As managing partners of Kirsten Wealth Management Group, your hosts, Dennis Kirsten, Brad Kirsten, and Kevin Kirsten, are professional financial advisors with LPL Financial with over 75 years of combined experience. They can be reached in their Perrysburg offices at 419-872-0067 or 800-875-1786. Their email address is kirstenwealth at lpl.com. Also, visit their website at kirstenwealth.com. Opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your financial advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Money Sense. You're listening to the advisors of Kirsten Wealth Management Group, Kevin Kirsten and Brad Kirsten. Happy to be with you this morning as we... Get into the heart of the summer, Brad, and the uh, question remains whether or not it'll be a summer rally or a summer swoon like they're talking about on TV. But uh, markets keep chugging along without much of a pullback and without much positive news, really. The, today we had uh, this inflation number that was kind of an historic one, but you're coming off of a year over year historic lows for inflation, historic lows for growth in the economy. So it's not, it's to be expected, but. This even beat those expectations, and by every measure, you do the the ex food and energy on uh, uh, figure, you do the total, you do the month over month, the year over year. They were all well above expectations, and when that hits, you would think, okay, does that mean the Fed's going to back off? Is that bad for the market? And here we sit up another half a percent. Well, I think that if you if you actually look at the numbers, they're always comparing year on year. Yeah, and the prices as measured by the CPI, dropped tremendously in March, April, and May. Okay, yeah, and so you really need to look at like a 15-month. Well, it started, gauge, right? well, even a two-year, right? Because what, what did it look like before COVID till now? And we won't really get a clean number. And, and really, if you look at the chart of what happened to CPI right after COVID in March, huge drop down, and it leveled off in the summer of 20. Mm-hmm. So... It won't really tell us a whole lot until next month, is my point. And so we'll have to see what the coming months where the comparisons uh, aren't as favorable in terms of it's easy to have a big increase. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it a two-year number would probably be more valuable at this point in time. And maybe that's what the mar- why the market is shrugging it off to wait another month or two to see what it looks like. And I hope that the market shrugs it off until we see what even wage inflation will look like when the unemployment benefits have dropped off to be normal. If they don't and you get a pullback late summer because of this fear of the Fed or if the Fed talks about anything, uh, hints that they might raise a little sooner and you get a pullback because of that, I think it's certainly a buying opportunity because the unemployment picture will look a whole lot different in the fourth quarter of this year. So prior to uh, prior to uh, COVID in January 2020, our CPI was trending you know between two and two and a half percent consistently in may of 2020 it dropped all the way down to slightly negative down 0.1 percent so there was that huge drop and now you know we're back up and we have this five percent number so that's why i'm saying the comparison starting in in next month won't won't be as crazy of a number uh if it is then maybe we do have a bigger problem. Well, yeah, certainly if you added another 5% to it, but I think even the expectation will be a, a lot more muted, probably in that 3% range. But if it if it beats significantly, even if the expectation is lower, I think you're going to start to have this worry of the Fed coming sooner or worry that the Fed might uh, disrupt the market with their talk. And uh, so we'll see. But uh, the, the other measure that would really tell you what the market thinks of the Fed is, it, or, or the market thinks of what the Fed will do 
our interest rates, and they've come back down. We're now down into the one high one fours on the ten year Treasury. From I think we probably peaked out at about one seven this year. So they have leveled off, and that's a little healthier of a sign, and probably a little bit of the positiveness for the market is that if if the bond market is signaling that the, that the Fed's not doing anything soon, uh, then the market's a little more comfortable, staying stable. We are as of Thursday here. S&P 500 at an all-time high for the year. Uh, I think I saw 42.38 at one point today. Um, so just a little bit above that prior high from about a month ago. Yeah, and nothing really – does anything stand out in terms of uh, performance in the last month, Brad? What we're looking at here, S&P is pretty flat. Uh, energy's leading. Real estate uh, leading as well. Actually, real estate quite a bit better than energy, up 7% in the last month. Real Energy up 3.6%. Probably uh, on real estate and on, on technology, uh, both a little bit of the interest rates rolling over and being a little bit lower helps both of those sectors. And so I think that's why you've seen the pickup in the last two weeks in that area. Worst sectors being uh, in the last month we're talking about. Year-to-date, everything's positive. Uh, Year-to-date, uh, the worst sector would be uh, consumer staples at 4.8% versus the S&P at 13. Uh, best sector being real estate at 24.6 and financials at 28.7. Excuse me, energy 48. That's those are the three best. Uh, all value style. Right. Uh, real estate in particular is often in the smaller and mid cap value portfolios. Uh, financials, energy most likely in the large cap value portfolios. But in the last month, really not much of a difference. Real estate and and energy leading. Financials flat. S&P flat. Uh, worst sector, consumer discretionary, led by Amazon. Not a recommendation to buy or sell Amazon. And also industrial stocks have pulled back after leading the way a little bit too. So, uh, you know, the market is not giving us any signs that it that it wants to correct massively, but we are well overdue. Mm-hmm. We haven't had a 10% correction since last September, and that rubber band is stretched. So I would certainly uh, be cautious. And we remind people, and we're going to talk about behavioral finance here in a little bit, and the reason why is because people often want to take the mindset that things like seems like things are doing pretty well. And the reality is the probabilities of a correction grow the longer you go without one without and one. Yes. the further you move up. And the 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 mindset of the investor is whatever's currently happening will keep happening forever. Correct. Whether it's good or bad. And that's what we need to break the habit of or just Let's let's put a plan together and forget about it. But if you're one to want to tinker, you have to fight the urge to think that whatever is currently happening is going to be this forever. And you got to ha- turn on the contrarian mindset. And so we'll talk about that later in the show. So our weekly market commentary this week, which we can be found on our website, KirstenWealth.com, uh, focuses on fiscal policy more so than the markets and, and how that's going to affect the markets. So check that out, KirstenWealth.com, Brad. Um, looking at a couple different things and just want to get your opinion on some of these things. Uh, Biden's kind of running into a brick wall on, on, on more stimulus than what he's already done. They did the, the initial round when he first became president. Um, well, that was another round of checks that went out. A uh, couple trillion here, a couple trillion there. Uh, but he's running into a brick wall on this infrastructure package. Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema uh, – do not support a lot of these things. Keep in mind, it's basically a climate change bill. It's not infrastructure. And so that's causing a lot of the middle of the road Democrats to sort of balk a little bit. And really, he's running out of time. If you don't get a lot of this stuff done in the first year, that it's very difficult to get it done next year when you're in a midterm election year. And so a lot of the gloom and doom that a lot of people thought when Biden first won, and we talked about it on this show, Republicans in the House and Senate have a lot of tools that they can use to slow things down. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this is part of the frustration with our political system, but also part of the good part of our political system is that it's hard to get stuff passed. Yeah, and that can be a good thing uh, to to slow the the movement down. So, well, a lot of the things that are being talked about and a lot of things that are being done are just this redistribution of wealth talked about in another way, talked about as a tax break. Uh, one of those that's coming out here just is going to be starting here soon is this uh the 3600 per child under 6 and 3000 per child 6 to 17 that's happening they're going to do an advance payment of 300 per child uh and 250 and then do monthly checks until you get to that point so you're talking about somebody with i think the income level on a single was 75000 i mean you have three or four kids you're talking about 
$12,000 a year going out to these these families at, at this year in the form of an upfront check and monthly checks, and then next year in the form of uh, tax credits. Uh, so a lot more people won't be paying taxes at all with that huge credit in there if you're a, if you're a family with children. That's right. So uh, federal spending, you know, it's it's been huge. We're talking about policy shift on our weekly market commentary found on KirstenWealth.com. Uh, the Fed has given no sign that they're going to slow down any buying until 2022, late 2022, yeah. what they said. Uh, government spending obviously has been enormous, and what will it be more or not? Uh, that remains to be seen if Biden can compromise. It, Republicans aren't going to compromise on ultra-left-wing ideas, and a lot of middle-of-the-road Democrats know that their their voting group is sort of 50-50, they, so they can't go ultra-left-wing. And I heard Kristen Cinema actually, who... You know, Arizona's sort of a, a middle of the road state could go either way. And she's obviously playing to that, but also she mentioned, you know, our government was not meant to have these huge swings, ultra left wing, ultra right wing, from presidency to presidency. And the reason she's not voting to get rid of the filibuster was for that very reason to say the filibuster has its value to slow things down. That's mm-hmm. the whole point. We don't want massive bills one way or another. Uh, that that can hurt the economy uh, tremendously if we have that every four years. Uh, moving on on policy, Brad, taxes, what's going to happen? We've seen the corporate tax uh, increase a couple different times in the past, and the, the market reaction is not great. Uh, there's been, let's see here, one seven times we've seen the, uh, the corporate tax, excuse me, eight times we've seen the corporate tax increase, Brad. The 12-month performance is four, only 4.2 mm-hmm. after corporate taxes increase. Usually you and I don't see that being that significant. A lot of times people say, well, it's, uh, you know, really good. It's 9% 12 months out. Well, that's average. Right. Okay. So it's what are you above or below average? So if you can find that many instances and you're half the market or or less, then it is significant. And there's certain things that will do a little bit better when you have uh, raising of corporate taxes. And so you certainly want to be leaning into those. International markets are certainly one of those. They're the competitor for the U.S. company. And so if they, if corporate taxes get raised here and the U.S. Uh, company has to raise the price of their goods to be profitable, to pay for it, then their foreign competitor that can keep lower prices becomes more competitive, it would make sense that that foreign competitor would have the leg up when you have a U.S. tax corporate tax going up. And in this market commentary, Brad, we talk about a way too early look at the 2022 midterms. Uh, if you're if you look at what is typical, there there is a swing almost always. Uh, Obama uh, lost the House in 2010, uh, and uh, Trump had issues in his midterm, so it is pretty typical. So check that out on our website, KirstenWealth.com. Brad, when we get back from the break, we're going to talk a little uh, behavioral finance and with markets at all time highs. I think it's always very important to to look at some of people's biases and look at the psychology of investing and how it applies to what what investors are doing today. You're listening to Money Sense, Kirsten Wealth Management Group. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the show. You're listening to the advisors of Kirsten Wealth Management Group, Kevin Kirsten and Brad Kirsten. Happy to be with you this morning. Uh, Brad, shifting gears a little bit, there's always an investment of the day. Right. I mean, you, you go all the way back and, and all the things that we've had, the tech boom, the dot com bubble, IPOs that were going on. Then, of course, you had real estate, real estate, international uh, stocks had a big run in the 2000s. Energy you, had a big run at the same time. Then you had a crash. You had the downgrade of uh, our debt in 2011. Uh, Greece was going to default. All these all these market forces. Remember Greece default. That was a, that was a huge thing. Right. Right. Right, exactly. Uh, COVID, you have uh, uh, stay-at-home stocks. You have all these different things that uh, push and pull investors in different directions. And, and, and when people are in the middle of that, they think, this is it. The new normal is 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 what's spit out on every news station when they're talking about the new latest. Really, it's nothing more than a fad. And you need to keep in mind that the, on, the, the only thing, it's the this time it's different crowd could not be more wrong because even the fads are the same, right? It's just a different color, a different flavor, and the mindset of the investor also doesn't change. So when looking at you know behavioral finance, the assumption originally is human decision processes were, you know, people will make rational decisions. And I 
being in this business over 20 years, I definitely don't think investors make rational decisions almost ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, that's why we can have things like what happened last March because of COVID uh, and, and the crash that occurred. It's what you do during those time frames that determine your success. And, and so, you know, companies have created full-blown investing algorithms based on, on some of these, you know, investor behaviors. And a lot of these kind of have been in, uh, covered and categorized. And we're going to talk about those today and understanding the tendencies and also the tendencies in yourself can, I, I think can help somebody be a better investor over the long term. So we're going to look at some of the common behavioral tendencies and identifying these, uh, you know, it's interesting, but also, like I said, have that self-awareness to know how it relates uh, to your own investment decisions. And then Put together with your financial advisor a discipline strategy and a dis- discipline methodology that can hopefully eliminate some of those biases that you have or eliminate you're always going to have them but right. eliminate thinking of them constantly but if you're aware of them not thinking of them would be as simple as let's be disciplined enough to not look at our account online every single day right so going back and i have this piece is actually from lpl research but i think it's very good but going back to the the sort of the first behavioral beginnings uh, you know, it started in, in all about 50 years ago, started talking about behavioral finance and, and, and the psychology of investing. Before that, uh, all the research, uh, both financial and otherwise, definitely rational and capable of assessing situations as if probabilities were all known. We know exactly what the probabilities were. In the 40s and 50s, uh, Milton Friedman helped cement a theory of the economic man, a model of human rational behavior. Rational e- economics uh, dominated the thought in the 50s uh, when many books started coming out regarding uh, you know, a lot of these theories we're going to talk about today. Today, both behavioral economics and behavioral finance uh, have firm backing and have been studied in academia and business practice. So in recent decades, uh, there's been a lot of research come out on this. So uh, behavioral theories are being studied at business schools and incorporating into financial modeling. And like I said, even firms creating full-blown algorithms just on the behaviors of investors. Well, really, it's it's creating a, a, a system of investing for bad behavior. It's the bad behavior that is creating that system and creating that opportunity. So knowing uh, what investors and also investors who are creating portfolios are assuming that investors will do can, you know, in a way, help you become a better investor yourself. So the first step is to understand what makes you veer off course. Establishing an awareness of your tendencies can help guard against the gravitational pull of what leads you to a bad decision and making a mistake. Uh, So let's describe some of these uh, characteristics now. So the first one here, Brad, anchoring, okay? This bias can cause people to rely too heavily on one piece of information or one singular statistic, perhaps to the detriment of necessary overall analysis. The problem is rooted in the tendency to overweight what they what do you know, known information and what is anchored in your mind, meaning you, you know a certain amount of things, but mm-hmm. you don't know what you don't know. That's right. Okay. So I, th- I think the, the person that would be susceptible to this is one that maybe turns on the radio or the TV one time and here's one thing. You've heard one viewpoint, makes sense, and you're going to now change all of your investments based on that one thing. What if you turned on the TV 15 minutes later? You wouldn't have heard that one thing. Let's consider that either there's another viewpoint or that that investment you're hearing about doesn't need to be in the portfolio at all. Well, and I think sometimes what what hurts in the behavioral finance aspect of anchoring, Brad, is sometimes you can accidentally get it right, meaning you can have one piece of information. I think this is going to happen. Um, let's... Let's say somebody is a Trump supporter in 2016. Okay. Okay. And they said, I think Trump's going to be a boom for the stock market. And in turn, you think losing Trump would be bad for the stock market. Right. So then what you say is you have that singular belief. Okay. And so what you say is, well, I saw in 2016 that the market took off after Trump was elected. The opposite must be true. The opposite must be true. And you're assuming that you know why the market took off in 2016. Yeah. Maybe it had nothing to do with Trump at all, but you are anchored in your belief that it was Trump. Mm-hmm. Trump caused the market to go higher. Or you, maybe you, your belief was that lower taxes drove us higher, which they did. And Biden is going to immediately take those away, but he hasn't. Maybe he won't even get any of it done. So your belief that the market will go down because of taxes 
was rooted in the fact that they went up because of lower taxes. But the, but the fact is, we still have lower There's taxes. There's no announcement. The market doesn't say, hey, everybody, I'm up today because of this. Yeah. You so, might accidentally get it right, but yeah, that doesn't mean you're right. That's true. That's true. Okay. So one good example, uh, another example of anchoring is relying on just past investment results as, as your only component to determine your future outcomes. Well, I'm looking currently, let's say six months ago, I'm looking at this large cap growth portfolio. It's destroying this large cap value portfolio. So of course- it will keep I'm doing using that. I'm using this one point of data. The six-month performance was better. The five-year performance was better. The, <laughs> therefore, the next five years would be better. Right. And that, that would be wrong. Uh, you don't know. They could be, but it also could be the opposite. Some ex other examples of anchoring, Brad, and we see this all the time, investors in some cases are predisposed to selecting investment in an industry they personally know or work in. Uh, or an investment type. Of course, you would see people who work in real estate own more real estate, and people who work uh, in, in, in the New York investors own more financials. Uh, Texas investors own more energy. California investors own more technology. A doctor might buy more pharmaceutical stocks because he or she thinks they have an edge. An investor might buy more semiconductor stocks uh, because of recent investment success in that space. Well, it worked before. It's obviously going to work again. Okay. And so in these cases, anchoring may lead you to defy the properties of portfolio diversification. Okay, next one. They're talking about behavioral finance here. Confirmation bias. A confirmation bias suggests that investors may look for information that supports an idea rather than search out data's and theories to contradict it. So you you're can, you can use the political examples the same way. Trump good for the market. If you Google search that, Trump bad for the market, you can Google search that. You could have found thousands of stories both ways. Same thing now with Biden. You can find it both ways. You have a counterpart, the opposite of you, the investing opposite of you who lives in California, who politically thinks the opposite. And you could both be right, right? Biden's in office, the market's up. Trump was in office, the market was up. You're both right. But you, 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 on the opposite end of that, when your political party isn't in, you're both wrong. Or you've sat down at your computer in March of 2020, and you've already decided you're going to sell all your stocks. Yeah. So you're just going to go out there and look for all the stories to say that- You just Google the, 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 the upcoming crash. The sky is falling. Guess you know, what? You're going to find it. You're, you're going to find tons of people who say the market is overvalued. You Google market overvalued and you Google market undervalued, you're going to find the same number of stories. So what what bias do you want? What confirmation do you want? You can definitely find it. So sometimes people will choose only to read favorable research reports on a stock or company uh, that they might own, give little credence to any negative news. Oh, even if they see it, they just discount it. That person doesn't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and, and not looking for the other side of the coin, whether it, whether it's markets or individual stocks. In the mark, in the case of the markets, if you were scared last March and you wanted to sell, you already made up your mind you were going to sell. Yeah. Did you go out and say, you know, let me go find an, an this alternative is a, viewpoint to see if it's a right time to buy, not sell. Let me read an article that says this might be the buying opportunity of the last 20 years. You no. would read it and you would say they clearly don't know what they're talking about. Right. You're right. getting the same thing now with the meme stocks. Anyone who has a negative opinion on on any of the Reddit meme stocks that are being driven up talking about fundamentals or why somebody is actually short those stocks, those people are immediately discounted because the people who want to own them are going to own them. So with every idea that you have, buying something or selling something, you should always ask yourself, what could go wrong? Yeah. Okay. When I when The what if I'm wrong. What if I'm wrong before I buy or sell something? Mm -hmm. And it, sometimes it's only when somebody buys something, they like to think about, well, what's the worst case scenario? What if I'm wrong? But when you sell something, you also have to ask, what if I'm wrong? Well, I... It, our clients have heard us say this when we say we think the market's st starting to get under overvalued. We're going to sell 5% or 7% off of our stock holdings. I've had investors say, well, if you think the market's overvalued, why aren't we selling them all? And we will say, because we might be wrong. Right. Exactly. It might keep going further. That's it right. might get more overvalued and then we can sell a little bit more. And so you have to leave a little wiggle room for, for your wrong. Cognitive dissonance is the next one on the list. Cognitive dissonance is a term that identifies the discomfort felt. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When two conflicting thoughts exist at the same time, cognitive biases are information errors that deter people from reaching rational conclusions. Dissonance results when two conflicting thoughts occur simultaneously. Psychology tells tells us that humans go to material lengths to reduce this uh, because they don't like that uncomfortable feeling, often by justifying behavior an individual may know is wrong. Take the extreme technology internet rally in the 90s, for example. Common sense told investors that many of the stocks that had rallied had little fundamental foundation. Okay? Kind of like the meme stocks today. Or crypto. Right. The meme stocks today are crypto. I know this company has a terrible balance sheet and will probably go bankrupt yet. Their stocks are going up, so I have to get on the ride. Right. No earnings. No revenue. Some may have watched friends and neighbors participate in the rallies in, in some of these things while stock valuations served at a, as a personal deterrent. I can't do it. It doesn't make any sense. Cognitive dissonance may have caused investors to buy the Internet stocks in the 90s and justify it by saying, well, everybody's doing it. Yeah. OK, even though valuations acted as a warning signal, in this case, investors were perhaps conflicted by high valuations, no earnings. And this is happening today as well, but did not want to miss out. Okay, so you have these two conflicting things. I don't want to miss out. I know it's probably a bad idea, but I don't want to miss out. In our view, one way to avoid this bias is to have a documented and repeatable investment process. So any any thoughts? I mean, you could give examples like crazy over this. Yeah, this, real estate. This in- would be never ending. Yes, certainly. The the not real estate stocks or the sectors of real estate, but people buying real estate uh, speculatively right now because somebody they know is doing it and it worked once and I don't want to miss out and I don't want to hear my my neighbor or my brother-in-law keep talking about it without me participating. I have to get on the ride. Crypto is certainly that way too. Somebody I know made some money. I have to get on this ride too, even though I know there's no value and there's no use case, that, but I still have to do it. And, and so it's... Uh, it's something I think if, if you're going down that road of saying to yourself, I know better, but I still have to do it. It's something you have to be able to walk away from. That's right. So we're going to get four more uh, different things you need to look out for in your own behavior when investing. We're going to take our next pause. You're listening to Money Sense. Brad and Kevin Kirsten will be right back. And welcome back. You're listening to Advisors at Kirsten Wealth Management Group. Brad Kirsten, along with Kevin Kirsten here, talking about behavioral finance, a topic that has been around forever, got a little bit more uh, popular when Nobel Prizes were won, uh, Yale economists winning Nobel Prizes on the topic of behavioral finance. And so here we are talking about how it applies to you and your behavior, especially when we're at what we think is a little bit of an inflection point, a year and three months off of the bottom. And so the the fear of this or the fear of that the fear of missing out a year uh, uh, now after maybe you missed out uh, a year ago uh, is starting to creep in but some of these other things are creeping in too or were creeping in a year ago and so a little bit of a review in this area I think is necessary if you can understand and know your own biases in in your own head you can prevent future mistakes in your investing. And so that's why we want to talk about these things, Brad. Recency bias. As the name implied, recency bias is a tendency for investors to more readily recall or place more emphasis on recent events and allow past circumstances to fade from memory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I lost lost a bunch of money in the dot-com bubble bursting, but this meme stock crypto thing- This is different. This is different. Yep. If if you can't equate the two- Maybe because one is a retail stock and one is a tech stock, then 
they're not built for individual stock investing. I could definitely tell you that. This bias is typical during bull markets as the previous bear market fades from memory. I I, I personally always will, will remind clients when I sit down with them. You do remember, you know, 15 months ago. 15 months ago, the market dropped 35%. In, 20, in late 2018, the market dropped 20%. In 2016, the market dropped 16%. In 20, boy, I don't even remember that happening. It's amazing how quickly it fades from memory for people. Yeah, I, I think the, the 35 uh, from COVID is lasting a little bit longer, but you're right. That, the, the 20% of the, in the fourth quarter of 18, I mean, we weren't four months out, and I felt like we were getting a little bit of the greed setting in uh, because of the of the rally we saw four months later uh, and getting right back to all time high. So here we are. We're uh, we're all time high plus a lot. And it's so that greed is starting to creep in and we're forgetting what it felt like to have a, a market go down 35 percent. 35 percent takes something new. 10 percent can happen at any time. And even that is painful to people. But uh, we've gone the longer we go, the more people forget about it and the more careless they get with the risk. This phenomenon helped. This is recency bias. This phenomenon helps sustain the buy high, sell low negative consequences, negative roller coaster that is often too present among investors. Simply recalling the cyclical nature of asset classes, asset class returns may help offset this bias and buffer the emotional toll of both bull and bear markets. A sound asset allocation process is another remedy. I mean, I know I even hear, heard people here recently, Brad, say, well, because when the market crashed because of COVID, technology held up the best. So I've heard people say technology is the new safety asset class. That's defensive. Really? It wasn't it might that be. market. I don't know. It wasn't that market, but certainly wasn't when the dot-com bubble burst. Well, I think a perfect example of that and what to remind people are every downturn, probably going all the way back to 2000, has had a different defense sector. Every single one has had a different one. This one was tech, but... Tech might have been one of the worst in 18, might have been one of the worst in the 16 drop, only because it was up the most. So most times, it's not the one that's performing the best going in that's going to give you defense. But last year it was, and therefore that's what everyone thinks now. Right. It's defense. In, in that 20% sell-off in 2011 uh, that happened because of the debt downgrade, energy was the best sector that year. Yeah. So you can't use the past performance as what's going to happen moving forward. We always preach that, but people, you know, make those mistakes and this whole buy high, sell low thing that people are constantly doing. Yeah. You know, I've, I've had people come into my office and say, I don't like the stock market. I never make any money. Well, the stock market makes money. You may have not ever made any money, but tell me why. Well, every time, you know, I get into it, then it goes down, then I sell. And, and, it, and it's always a story of I'm buying what's up recently and that didn't keep working. And I think we need to get literally the, the opposite mindset, a contrarian mindset. Even if you, even if you're wanting to get greedy and you just go from one sector to another or one area of the market that is un, outperformed, getting out of that to get to, to one that is underperformed. We're going stock to stock. We're going one portfolio to another portfolio. We're still fully invested, but all we're doing is buying the underperformer and waiting for a rebound. I think these these people, I almost equated to, Brad, when they look at the performance of the stock market and say, I never get that. Yeah. The long-term average, 9 or 10%, and they look at it on a chart, right? And they say, I never get that. When you're looking at the long-term performance of a market, it's like looking at a family photo, okay? Mm -hmm. In a family photo, the family's happy. Yeah. Everything's great, okay? And and you you and I both, married with families, yeah. it's great. But the family photo does not tell you there's a lot of, there's some tough times. Yeah. In d when you're growing up, yeah, okay. There's tough times that you have to work through, just like with investing. When you just look at a return, a rate of return, it looks good. It, I'll uh, take that. that. Let me sign up for that. Yeah, but you don't realize that when you look behind the scenes of that family photo of that nine percent annualized return, chaos, chaos. Yes. <laughs> right? In order to get there, in order to be happy at the end, chaos. That's right. Yeah. Yes. High times, low times, hey. and, and and what you get is pretty good right in the end that's what you get is pretty good so hindsight bias brad revisionist history is a bias that permeates financial decisions I, this one i think definitely people will remember what happened differently than what actually happened no doubt <laughs> this is it this is you could do a whole study just on this right so revisionist history is a bias that permeates financial decisions causing people to believe an outcome was obvious of course yes only after it has been revealed 
Realizations via the benefit of hindsight often conceal the reality that real-time market analysis is not employed with certainty. Every investment decision has a probability of success or fail, failure, but never a certainty. We believe it is often the investor or asset allocator that manages those probabilities who is most successful. This, this might be my favorite one and most important. Okay. In our view, the takeaway from hindsight bias is the understanding that no one can consistently forecast the future. The worst question any client could ever ask us, Brad, is what do you think the market's going to do this year? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. one of the worst questions you can ask right, us. Right. Okay. No one knows. For inability that someone can consistently forecast the future and not every holding in your portfolio is going to go up simultaneously. If it does, you're not diversified. The best investors can do, the best investors can hope for, is stick to the probabilities and stay disciplined. Finally, ensure your portfolio is adequately diversified for those intermittent market outcomes that no one sees coming, like COVID. Probabilities. Let's go back to to the early part of that, what people believe. I think even now, if you were to ask people uh, how much the market was down last year, nobody, unless they're faithfully listening to our show, financial shows, knows that the market was down 35. They didn't, whether they felt it or not, maybe they were fully invested or not fully invested, market was down 35. The other thing would be that prior to that, they saw the market was going to go down 35. And more importantly, on March 23rd, prior to the shutdowns and prior to the longstanding shutdowns from states and companies and everything else, they also foresaw that the market would rebound well before we even started the shutdowns. Because March 23rd was the low point, 15 days to slow the spread started seven days later, and 15 days to slow the spread turned into 30 days to slow the spread and in some states, it's turned into 365 days to slow the spread. And there, But we would have to have also believed that before all of those shutdowns, the market would hit its low. And as we, the further along that we get, people will, will be telling us, individual investors will be telling us that they definitely saw that coming. Yeah, or they definitely saw the real estate crash of 08 coming. Or they definitely saw the dot-com bubble bursting. But when you're in the moment, no one's talking about it. Not the pundits on TV, not anyone. When you get to the tail end of it, they're talking about it. But usually they're saying it's going to go on forever. When you get to March 21st, 22nd, 23rd, you turn on CNBC, they're talking about we've never seen anything like this and there's no way the bottom is in. Okay? And they're then, not talking about the bottom. And then once the bottom is in, they all say, oh, of course it was going to Last re- week I got back in. Right. Oh, so we bring in the experts on uh, back on TV and they're like, we had some signals and we bought, <laughs> we bought on Monday. Right, right, right. Oh, you bought on Monday. Well, you just happened to not be on the CNBC show that day because, of course, you were trading. You were so busy trading. Yes. Yeah, so now I'm on today, a couple days later, when the market's up 15% in two days, to tell you we bought at the very bottom. It's a lie. Yeah. Okay? And it's just like all the people that you know, friends, family, whoever, who tell you how great everything is in their life. They're, I wouldn't say lie. Lie's too harsh. They're exaggerating. Okay? Right. Or, or they're <laughs> guilty of the same... Recent, or, or hindsight bias. hindsight bias, right? One way to avoid that hindsight bias and why I know the dates is I'm looking at those transactions all the time. We're doing review meetings. I'm showing clients. We added on the 28th of February, March 17th, March 19th. Okay. We hit the bottom. Nope. But a year out, you look at the chart. Doesn't really matter. You, you bought when the market was down 12.8. You bought when the market was down 19. You bought when the market was down 23. And these probably doesn't matter that you caught the bottom. And these probabilities we talk about, Brad, your probability of an above average return in the five years moving forward. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Increase the lower the market goes. And decrease when the market goes up. That's right. So anytime, you just look at averages, okay? If the market has, say, a 50-year average of 9% a year, and you go through a five-year period, where the average is 15, 16, 17 a year. You're, there's no certainty that the next five years will be bad, but it's a higher probability that it'll be lower than, than your average. current and lower than your average. Still, by the way, maybe not a return you would be unhappy with. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with the alternative being 1% or 2% in bonds, Right. here you're looking at a, a five-year average of, where are we on the five-year average, 15? What was the probability back in the day, Brad, in the steroid era, that a lifetime hitter in Brady Anderson for the Baltimore Orioles, who had batted 250 his whole life and never cracked 18 home runs, and in one year he had 50 home runs and batted 330. So what's the probability he's going to keep hitting 50 home runs? Not very good, but we give him a huge contract. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And he never does it again. And he never does it again. What was the probability back in the day when the Browns had Derek Anderson and he had the 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 season of a lifetime? Took him to the playoffs. A finally. journeyman quarterback who no one thought was very good. What was the probability that trading him at his high was going to be a good thing. Pretty good, but the Browns didn't do it, of course. Right. We were all saying, there's no way this is the guy of the future. We should trade him and get some draft picks. But they didn't. They held on, thinking he was the franchise quarterback, and that didn't work out. So everyone's guilty of this in all industries, okay? Having this hindsight bias, buying low, selling high, even CEOs, CFOs who make big decisions, they all make the mistake. Yeah. They they buy back stock at a bad time. Yeah. They, they very few uh, books have been written about the CEOs that have done it right and bought back stock when their stock was low because there's so few. If they, if every CEO bought back stock at the right time, you couldn't write a book about the five that did it right. That's right. But Warren Buffett uh, put a forward on a book that I read recently about the handful of CEOs that have done it right. Yep, that's right. So there are two more uh, in this uh, behavioral finance discussion. Brad, we're going to take our last pause. We'll be back in just a minute. And welcome back. You're listening to the Advisors of Kirsten Wealth Management Group. Last segment here, still talking about behavioral finance, and we haven't gotten to a couple that I thought would have been prominent on the list. Where's loss aversion on on, on our on our list of uh, behavioral finance topics? Yeah, that's the next that's the next on the list when talking about understanding the psychology of investing. Loss aversion is based on the observation that people are twice as fearful about losing money as they are joyous over gains. Yeah. I, okay. I, I I think people forget that there is a feeling of missing out when you're getting out and I'm just going to wait until things look better. That was all the talk last March. Let me get out. I'll know when to get back in. Things will look better. The market will be open. The economy will be open. And then I'll get back in. There'll be an all clear. I think they forget that loss aversion, the fear of seeing your account go down, the fear of loss is bad, but they haven't maybe experienced enough of the fear of missing out when things are just going straight up. In my mind, because one is temporary, always has been, I should say. It always has been temporary, the market going down. And the other is a lot more longstanding. Um, the, there should be a fear of missing out, just as equally weighting the fear of losing. Well, and also people so easily forget the fear of being in as opposed to the fear of missing out. Yeah. If you have a million-dollar portfolio, okay, would you be happy if your million dollar portfolio went to a million five? Sure, you'd be happy. Yeah. Would you be more happy than and and it's hard to equate these two things because one's a good emotion and one's a bad emotion. Would the five hundred thousand on the upside be worth the five hundred thousand on the downside? Right. It, so when 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 you feel like the valuations in the market are my plus minus are the same probably time to pull back risk. And if you're if you're saying to yourself, I can see it going up another 10, but I can also see it going down 20. Well, we probably shouldn't stay fully invested if that's the case. I think that's the reason some investors maybe don't gamble in a casino. The the joy of winning 100 doesn't feel as good as the pain of losing 100. Therefore, right. why am I gambling at all? Right. We think this bias is a key determinant of why some investors either intermittently pull out of the market, give up investing, or choose not to invest at all. In our view, the understanding this bias should prompt investors or their advisors to pay strict attention to portfolio risk, and in my, I would add to this time horizon, mm -hmm. more importantly, 
uh, to ensure a balanced investment approach and employ dynamic asset allocation approach that is geared toward protecting. We talked about probabilities in the last segment, Brad. The reason I focus so hard on time horizon is because the longer the time horizon, the more you can increase your probabilities of success. Short time horizons, forget it. The more the <laughs> probabilities are known. Right. I mean, even if you look at a 50-50 portfolio and we look at a one-year time horizon of the plus minuses, it's pretty big. Three-year, a little smaller. And the five-year, you're looking at the at the, the the difference between your negative and your positive of a very tight range. There's right. only been a handful of five-year 50-50 portfolios that have ever even given you a negative. I right. think maybe only one rolling. Finally, group think, Brad, this bias also answers to such names as herd mentality or following the crowd. The essence is people find comfort in agreeing with decisions of others and engaging in similar activities. You feel good yeah. when you do something that you saw in the news or you or you, or you heard on TV or yeah. you read on the We're internet. I'm part of the party. Yeah. I'm, I'm part of the crypto party. I'm part of the meme stock party. Yeah. I'm part of the... The real estate uh, second home club. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm part of the dot-com bubble in the 90s. Yeah. You feel It does make you feel good to, yeah. be, to be part of the group. Yeah. You feel social pressure to conform, endeavor to avoid conflict, or seek to avoid missing out on some potential benefit realized by the masses. An investments groupthink may provide a false sense of comfort and suppress the necessary critical thinking that may lead to an optimal outcome. Example of this bias is the drive for individuals to follow the crowd during asset price bubbles. Again, as it regards investing, an answer to this bias may be found in the discipline of a sound investment process, adopting a habit of asking oneself critical suitability questions before engaging in investment. So in conclusion, this this area, this psychology of investing, Brad, has helped explain the occasional irrational outcomes that has peppered the decades of asset price history. Self-awareness in the behavioral arena can be the essential aid in avoiding market pitfalls and breaking the merry-go-round of emotionally-based investment decisions that plague the everyday investor. Listen, there are times when the worst decision of your life, the worst decision of your life can feel really good mm-hmm. emotionally. And that's why we want to talk about behavioral finance consistently, because let me tell you, if you sold last March, March 23rd, you felt good doing there it. were five hours yeah. where you couldn't believe the weight that was lifted off your shoulders. Yep. Five hours. Yep. In fact, even if you sold on March 15th, yeah. there you were like, there were a week. There you was had a week. week where you're like, thank God I did that. Yes. And it's, then a week later, you're like, what am I doing? That's right. So that's what's so difficult is. Whether it's uh, uh, on the on the way in or the way out, both should feel terrible, not good. If it feels good, it's probably wrong. Right. Okay. So having a plan and adhering to that plan raises the likelihood, and I like how LPL in here just says raises the likelihood, that's all we're ever trying to do, that the cognitive biases will, will be overcome and rational decisions are made. I think it's extremely difficult with investing, Brad, because we always harp on past performance is no guarantee of future results. Past performance is a guarantee of future results or a very high likelihood of results in almost every other aspect of our life. Yeah. And here we are with this, and it's it's true that it's no guarantee, but it's tough to break that mindset. I look at asset classes and whole areas of the market, and I always look for the underperformers because I know that in general, large cap growth and large cap value, for example, have the same long-term returns. Yeah. So anytime that large cap growth has outperformed large cap value for a long stretch, there will be a reversion to the mean. Now, Think about every other aspect of your life. Mm-hmm. You need a surgery. You go to the doctor. Okay. Do I go to the one that's got terrible reviews because he's going to bounce back and, and have a reversion of the mean? Do you, do you go to the doctor who has had five bad surgeries in a row because you think he's due for a good one? Yeah. And do you avoid the good doctor? Because he's due for a bad. He's d- no, no. You don't. You do go you- to the place that you've had good meals consistently or the one where you just had some bad seafood. Right. No. That- You're hiring a contractor. You ask for... You ask for a recommendation. You ask a friend. Who do you know? Who do you know that puts in a driveway? Yeah. Oh, well, this guy's put in five consecutive bad driveways, yeah. so he's due for a good he one. He never shows up. <laughs> he's due to get get there on time for you. No, you would never do that. So the reason I bring that up is behavioral finance and the behavior of investing goes against everything, okay? Everything that we've ever been told about life. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. It go, Because you are told in life to avoid pain, mm-hmm. avoid suffering, right? And in investing, you're told to walk straight into the burning building. Yep. Don't believe your <laughs> eyes. Everything will be fine right? on the way in and the way out. Things are going way up. 
Don't believe your eyes. It can only go so far before we come back down a little bit. If we have a pullback, the thing that's doing the best will do the worst. That's what's more consistent in, in the market. Is it always true? No. But let's just go with probabilities and invest accordingly. That's right. And I, I, and I think that that's, I heard that at one point in time, and I think it's such an important part of the behavior aspect of investing. And once again, as we've gone through these six, seven, or eight uh, uh, investing biases, take a moment and sit down and think about the mistakes you've made in the past and think about how these biases have affected you so that you can make better decisions moving forward. And I also think toot our own horn, toot, toot all financial advisors horn a little bit. I think these things can be exaggerated when you don't have someone to talk to. Yeah, when you're in a bubble. Or if your bubble is a confirmation bias bubble, it's going to get exaggerated. Yes, I think it can be exaggerated because you're in your own bubble and, and you don't have a financial advisor to say, you know, we talked about all these confirmation biases and things like that. Some of it is just simply someone has an idea. They call their financial advisor and say, tell me where I'm wrong. Yeah. But but if not, if, you're, if your financial advisor is a yes man, and every time you call your financial advisor with an idea you have, and he says, sure, we can buy that. Let's go ahead and do it. If every time's a yes, that's not what you, you want your financial advisor to disagree with you a little bit, if not a lot. That's right. That's right. And, I and think then you know you're getting some of that contrarian mindset thrown at you. And there, that's going to lead to some better success. That's absolutely right. So if anybody has any questions about any of the topics we talked about today, of course, feel free to call our office in Perrysburg, 419-872-0067. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to Money Sense, brought to you each week by Kirsten Wealth Management Group. To contact Dennis, Brad, or Kevin professionally, call 419-872-0067 or 800-875-1786. Their email address is kirstenwealth at lpl.com, and their website is kirstenwealth.com. Opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your financial advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.